Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for us to begin. We, we may be a little tight on time tonight. Uh, I was planning to underwrite, and I got carried away, I think. Uh, just to test something before we begin. <laughs> Never brought up again. You're about to see two episodes of an audio drama which we've been doing for a, exactly a year, almost exactly a year. It's our birthday! Hooray! Um, we will begin now. Shut your eyes. Stop your ears. Find a quiet space of tranquility. Seek a calm equilibrium. Do not allow yourself to be swept up in the whirlwind of feeling that threatens to whisk you away, laughing, crying with joy, dancing with hysterical abandon, shouting, screaming, brimming with inexpressible hilarity, splitting at the seams until finally you can contain the chaos no longer, crack, and finally burst at the unseen hour. The world can be a desolate nightmare. Human history is littered with inconceivable suffering, misery without relief or reprieve. But even the most wretched have a sublime capacity to find joy in the darkness, to laugh in the face of the horror. And perhaps this joy of the wretched is the purest of all. For as we become more comfortable, our pursuit of happiness must take new and strange shapes just as one large-shouldered baronet must contort his usually stately figure in order to pass unnoticed among the common folk, concealing his sturdy tweed doublet beneath dusty beggar's cloaks. Ah, what a charming, mud-swamped, peasanty town is my dear native Grisselberg. How I love to observe the, the carefree daily lives of the heartiest serfs incognito in my clever beggarly disguise. Uh, classic stride forth. <laughs> Mingling with the honest salt of the earth folk with only a trusty man servant for protection against... Oh. Where's he gone? Where's he gone? I'll be murdered by the foul-mouthed smelly paupers. Look at their horrible bony bucolic hands. Look at their hungry flashing plebeian eyes. Oi. No, no, he's right. We have got bony Bony hands. Where's me manservant? Yeah, that's me, hello. Respectable gentlemen's gentlemen and vizier to the baronet with education enough to understand the political motivations of the aristocracy and the broader scope of our society, but also grounded street smarts needed to survive in the cutthroat melee of our impoverished land. Just a bit about me there, in case you were wondering. I was not, as it happens. I was wondering where you went off, leaving me alone and unprotected against these awful, disgusting creatures. Oh, yeah. No, no, he's right. We are repulsive. I was gathering some news from the small folk here about. I see. And what did you learn? Not much. They were all busy laughing and dancing a rustic jig. Oh, yes, splendid. 
peasanty behavior. Oh, what an idyllic feudal mud-covered cockeye. No, no, no. We've heard rumors of a terrible dancing sickness. The manic dancing death madness. <laughs> oh, no. No, surely that's not a thing. It is. First you start giggling. Then the giggling turns to laughing, and, and then you, you start knopping about. And, and the hopping turns to a dance. You dance faster and faster. Wilder and wilder. Then comes the projectile bleeding. <laughs> projectile bleeding? Blood everywhere! And then you die. You just die. We'll all get it soon, probably. No, no, I, I don't believe this superstitious nonsense. We live in an age of dawning reason, an incipient enlightenment. I, I think we can move past this, this silly old wives' tale. Look, there's a little group of rustics dancing like lunatics in that patch of mud over there. Oh my god, it's all true! The manic dancing death man is here to get me! It's all right, they, they seem to be stuck slipping about in the mud down there. Oh yes, we'll be fine. <laughs> what, what, what? <laughs> you, 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 you shouldn't worry about it. Oh no. <laughs> They've got it too! <laughs> Save me, Fox! <laughs> Save me! Uh, this, this way, my lord, where we can escape through this monologue. My granddad was a legend. I know that word has changed meaning. It used to mean dragon slayer, but now it can be used to describe someone who buys the first round in the pub. But Grandad Ron was legendary in the original sense of the word. Grandad Ron was a man raised in the black country and had a job in the coal mines when he was just 15 years old. Looking back, I wondered if this was why when he was around us, he became a child too. While most old people play got your nose with youngsters, Grandad Ron would get your nose but not give it back, like a playground bully. <laughs> Me and my sisters would cry so loudly because we believed ourselves to be noseless, but he only gave them back to us when mum or dad made him. Grandad Ron taught us, presumably for his own amusement, that pink and yellow were the other way around and that hands were called arm feet. These were small things, absolutely, but at the age of 26, I still have to pause slightly before saying hand or knowing beyond doubt that bananas are yellow. Ron was playing the long game, and that game was called Ruin the Education of Your Grandkids. When I was very young, my favourite part of the week was Friday afternoon. My sisters and I were taken by Grandad to Mrs King's sweet shop with a 50 pence piece in our arm foot. I would always rub my 50p because I was a fan of The Queen's Nose, a CBBC show where the main character had a magic coin that granted her wishes. I now know that money can grant you wishes, but you need a lot more than 50p. But not in 1999 and not at Mrs. King's Sweet Shop. Grandad would let me and my sisters choose whatever we wanted, as long as it came in under budget and as long as it wasn't those candy cigarettes, because he said, those bloody things are a crime against cigarettes and no child of mine will support this blasphemy. I would often spend my money on a bag of brightly coloured sour sherbet, which in the Midlands we call Kali, but I think in the South you call it tooth decay and it's banned. <laughs> Friday afternoons, my sisters and my granddad filled me with so much joy. I'd be bouncing around the room and screaming with delight. And as I'm saying this, I think the 200 grams of pure sugar could have been the reason for the bouncing and screaming. When I was 14, part of my history homework was to interview with a tape recorder someone who had fought in the Second World War. 
The person I interviewed was Grandad Ron, and instead of giving me useful information about his time in the Navy, he told me all about the female friends he made fighting for his country. It was basically a 15-minute recording of Grandad Ron's sexual history, and for that, I received a very low mark indeed. <laughs> I was 16 when I realized Grandad wasn't young. He was actually really old. He was making a cup of tea and wandered away from the kitchen into the garden, leaving the kettle boiling on the hob. By the time he remembered, he hurried inside to take it off, but the kettle's handle was so hot it burned him. He dropped it on the floor and the water soaked through his slippers, scolding him. His eyesight started to deteriorate quickly, and the mobile library had to order him Mills and Boom books in large print, especially for him, because he couldn't read the regular font. These days were making up his last chapter. We missed him as he went slowly from being the man who bought us Lambrini, telling mum and dad it was Schler, to the man unable to remember his daughter's name. I started to miss him very much. On a warm September evening, he drifted into a deep sleep in hospital with the parting words, this is a bit of a bugger. <laughs> Grandad Ron's funeral was the perfect send-off. It happened on a warm Friday afternoon, our favorite time of the week. The service was chaotic and funny and sweet. We played my year eight history interview as the coffin was carried in. The organist was late because Reverend Molly had forgotten to book him for the funeral and he was about to leave for his holiday when she rang him during us singing Amazing Grace, a cappella. He arrived at the chapel 10 minutes later with his wheelie suitcase and a black suit jacket over a loud Hawaiian shirt. His sunglasses, which were perched on his head, slipped down over his eyes during the Lord is my shepherd, meaning it looked like half the Blues Brothers were playing Ron out of this world and into the next. Grandad chose the reading he wanted. It was from his favorite book, and it was read out by my mother. Grandad's favorite book was the worldwide smash, Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> because most of the attendees were either too old or too young to hear, the only person showing any real emotion during the reading was mum, and that emotion was fury. <laughs> At the wake, everyone in the congregation had a shot of rum to commemorate his time in the Navy, which I now know for Ron was basically a state-sponsored booze cruise. We watched the Aldridge Village Players, which Ron had previously been a member of, perform songs from Pirates of Penzance, and we ate Kali until our tongues turned yellow. Or pink. <laughs> My granddad was a legend. <laughs> Persistent peddling your absurd mumbo jumbo here, you heathen hag! It is you who is this charlatan, you corrupt old pedant! Why? Why did you have to put your medicine shack next to my lovely monastery? It gets good foot traffic. Help! 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 See? <sighs> help me, please, Mr. Priest, or you, old witch. I'm a. I'm a doctor. Sorry? Witch doctor? Close enough. What's wrong? It's the manic dancing death madness! It's it's sweeping the tide! Oh, an e epidemic! A plague! It's an outbreak! A scourge! Uh, whatever it is, it does seem to be affecting most of the population. There must be a way to stop it through one of your neatly contrasting opposed methodologies. Oh, we can do tests, uh, experiments on those affected. We can pray, go out among the people and tend the sick. Hey, attending the sick is our thing. Oh, oh, no, it's not! Well, this is all your fault anyway, with your puritanical rules against forbidding dancing, it, it's bound to have some effect. Oh, that's your scientific conclusion, is it? It's a convincing hypothesis. If, if, if I may, 
I, I was thinking something more in the spirit of, of running away or, or, or hiding from the, the sick people. Would, would hiding work? There is no escape from the wrath of God. Nonsense! Quarantine is an excellent solution. You would have a far greater chance of avoiding infection if you, for instance, locked yourself away in a tower. Oh, good! Let's do that! All right, uh, up to Count Grix Castle on the hill, then. Yes, before this epidemic spreads. Ah, he's doing my thing. I win. <laughs> Science beats religion. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, uh, I'm dancing. I'm, I'm doing a victory dance. Oh, uh, you're infected. <laughs> you quit. Look where your medicine got you. <laughs> quit, quit, my lord. They're infected. Oh, no. Let's go, folks. <laughs> so many regrets. Help! Count Greek! Count Greek, let us in! There's a disease sweeping the country! What do you want? Now beggars here. <laughs> do not be fooled by this cloak, for I am, in fact, no mere beggar. But Sir Rufus Strideforth, 13th Baronet Strideforth of Quelmouth, disguised and wandering the local lands. Classic Strideforth. <laughs> Observing the terrible ravages of the manic dancing death madness amongst our very own peoples. I'm not sure I should let you in if there's a sickness going round. But I'm aristocracy. Barely. Fine, come in. Ah, <sighs> safe at last. Oh, it's me. <laughs> yeah. Lock the doors, raise the drawbridge, lower anniversary show musical indulgence, Joey Timmons and James Carney. How are you doing It's plain enough to see the end. Coming soon, we can stand and fight or make our peace or just howl at the moon. But it won't matter to me if it all ends today. I never live to be old and gray. My love, since we met, I die free of regret. I'd be glad with a moment or two, so long as I spend with you. It won't matter to me the day the bombs fall, or when the oceans rise up and swallow us all. I'd face assaging wars with my hand in yours. I won't mind if the whole planet dies, if I'm Looking into your eyes But the dead may return The old gods may rise And error and turn All the government's lies A economic recession AI singularity Extraterrestrial aggression Gravitational anomaly But one thing's for certain That some final curtain Could fall any day And can we really say That we won't deserve what we get? Trumpet rings when the stars, when the stars go, go out, out 
When the fine lady sings Without you by my side Let the four horsemen ride I won't care if the world splits apart You've already broken my heart It won't matter to me When the crops stop growing When the planet stops spinning Sun starts glowing, sterilized by our phones, disease through to our bones. I won't fret if we just fade away. It had to happen someday. How do you find the entertainments, Sir Rufus? Oh, they're wonderful! Such, such fine food, such, such sumptuous decoration! It's, it's quite the party, Kankrick. Oh, this is no ordinary party, Sir Rufus. This is an outrageously opulent extravaganza to exclude the oafs and oiks outside. Ooh-wee-oo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, there it is. Well, you know, potato, potato. Indeed. Uh, you will find neither potato nor potato here. No such common fare. All the delica delicacies on offer are extremely expensive and refined. Please, try some of the nightingale liver. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Why, Count Grig, surely you are spoiling us. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, here we can cocoon ourselves in luxury. Yes, yes, I see. Uh, no, no music, though. No, certainly not. Music leads to dancing, and that must be avoided at all costs. Also, no laughing. We must conduct ourselves with dignity and poise. Allow me to introduce Lady Imogen Patch. Good evening, Sir Rufus. Isn't it wonderful to be safe and protected here in the castle? Oh, yes, yes, it's, it's, it's pretty rough out there. Oh, don't talk about what's going on outside. Let's not think about that. No, oh, no, 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 of course. Of course, you're right. Yes, best, uh, best not to think about all the, all the hideous, the hideous, painful struggle of the starving masses out there, you know, exposed to inescapable, painful death, and, uh... Oh, we should really help them, shouldn't we? Help them? Not at all. Why should we risk all that we have? It's bad enough that we're reminded of their existence every hour when the enormous mechanical clock strikes featuring its chime that sounds like a laugh and is a mechanical automation of a dancing man. Uh, listen, uh, here it comes now. <laughs> 10 o'clock. Oh, why did I ever buy that clock? It's, it's extremely creepy. We can't just ignore the people's plights! They're dying out there! All right, Sir Rufus, you are welcome to go out there. You might even save a few lives before you succumb to the excruciating disease yourself. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, I was, uh, I was thinking more of a, a petition or, or, or a protest. Or... <laughs> Some kind of indirect community support. I see. Well, perhaps we could send our minions out to die in the mud and filth. Featherstone, Fawkes, how would you like to go and lay down your lives for Sir Rufus's high-minded ideals? Rather not. 
Although I grew up amongst the common folk, I would prefer not to die a painful death for the sake of an aristocrat's vanity. Uh, I'm going to have to agree. I've gone about dressed as beggars was all larks, but it uh, looks like the situation's gone a bit far now. Maybe, maybe it could have been avoided through better sanitation, healthy diet, stable lifestyle and general regard for the well-being of the populace rather than constantly treading on and exploiting them. Nonsense. That's socialist nonsense. But <laughs> even these lowliest servant types are clear in their decision to remain safe and ignore the carnage outside. Well, all right, I suppose. I, I just won't think about it. Good, good. Now, to make sure of that, Featherstone Forks, go and destroy that awful clock there. I, I thought it was kitsch when I bought it, but now it seems just bad taste. Is there a difference? Touché. <laughs> Take this clock! And now! <laughs> this is great! <laughs> yeah, very <that is> satisfying! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God! Oh, no! They're dancing! I should want a bra. into the outrageously opulent extravaganza to exclude these oofs and oiks outside! Ooh-ee-oh! Quick, in here! Oh. Barricade the door! Okay. Good. <laughs> that was close. Yes. The disease made it into the castle, but we're safe from it so long as we stay here in this cupboard. Good. Uh, there's no way anything can get to us here. We can continue our ostentatiously opulent extravaganza to exclude the oafs and oiks outside. <laughs> hmm. I've mispronounced oafs earlier. <sighs> what should we do to take our mind off of things, eh? Nothing too exciting, of course. How about an organized party game? We can put all names in a hat. Perfect! That sounds more frustratingly overregulated than fun. Excellent. Oh, what a relief. <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 that, that was a figure of speech. I wasn't laughing, I meant ha-ha, as in ha-ha, not ha-ha, 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 In a gale of laughter, dancing uncontrollably, the last surviving inhabitants of Grisselberg erupt in torrents of blood before collapsing, lifeless, into a gruesome heap in one of the castle's many cupboards. And you too, dear listeners, must erupt from this room and go on your merry way until the next unseen hour. <laughs> That was great. Moving swiftly on. We hope that we made you happy with The Unseen Hour, episode 30, The Mask of the Manic Dancing Death Madness. The Unseen Hour is recorded live and monthly, usually on the first Wednesday of every month at the Rosemary Branch Theatre, but this was our first birthday show here at the wonderful Vault Festival in Waterloo. This episode was performed merrily by Bryce Stratford, Joey Timmons, and James Carney, and featured a monologue written by Katie Arnstein, and performed by Ashley Tucker. The musical guest was Joey Timmons and James Carney. <laughs> Theme music by The Unrecorded. The Unseen Hour is an Unseen Things production written, produced, and created, that's the one I missed, by James Carney. 
Good catch, Jim. Yep. I don't think anyone noticed. Uh, and the podcast is produced joyfully by Andy Goddard. We all look forward to seeing you here again at the Unseen Hour. <laughs> oh. We'll be all right. We're doing okay for time. Straight on.